0: I could have just said, all right, well, here, you want to have a globally diversified portfolio. You want to look at a total return approach. And then you want to just take 4% out of that total return. You're hopefully over the time you get 6% and then rebound to the tax okay. But it, it, it's, it's more to it than that. Yes. I think that okay. just sounds generic.
1: Welcome to 2018, where retirement nest eggs have become bigger, but fixed income rates of return are still low. What strategy will allow your investment portfolio to provide income throughout your retirement? Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe and Big Al explain what matters when tailoring your own personal retirement income strategy. Plus, determining in which type of accounts you should have your retirement savings, from where you should withdraw your required minimum distributions, and whether any of it's going to matter once the robots take over. Let's find out. Here are Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA.
2: One of our listeners asked me this earlier this week. It was kind of like, well, I'm getting close to retirement, and um, and I want to be able to devise a, some kind of income strategy to, to, to last through my retirement. Mm-hmm. And this gentleman was probably in his mid to late 60s and and uh, you know we're b- retiring in a year or two. And so the question basically was, how in the heck do you devise an investment portfolio to be able to do that nowadays given the fact that fixed income, the rates of return are very low? and so so do you kind of focus there or do you go for high dividend paying stocks or how do you how do you create a cash flow?
0: right? We're also getting a lot of questions about U.S. stocks, you know, all-time highs, high valuations. You know, what do I wait? Do I stay in cash? Um, do you know? But bonds, you know, interest rates are on the rise too. So, yeah,
2: aren't they risky? also? So aren't they
0: risky as well? Maybe I just sit on the sidelines. Right. You know? And there's been a lot of you that have sat on the sidelines, probably since before the election. Because there was some volatility going into the election, I think um, most people thought someone was going to win versus another. And it's, okay, well, let's just kind of hold off and see, see how the dust settles. Yes. And we've had a pretty good run. Um over the last eighteen right. months.
2: So is it is it good enough? Should right. we should we get out now?
0: So now oh right, or should I get it? I, I can't get in now because That's I've been sitting high. in cash for yeah.
2: eighteen months. Right.
0: Right? So what the heck do you do with your money given the the the, the environment that we're in? The, the the simple real quick answer to all of this, right, is that you need to be invested right now, right today, because your goals are not necessarily, you know, hey, unless you need the money in tomorrow for a new house or a new car. That's cash reserves. But if we're just talking retirement, right? And I okay. think that was yeah, the this, question. That was the
2: question. So I'm okay. in my 60s.
0: Uh, how right. do I devise a, a retirement income strategy? Correct. Well, well, first of all, you need to be fully invested. You cannot time markets. It's very, very t- challenging and difficult to do. The, the best, the smartest people uh, in finance Have a very challenging time of timing, and what timing is, is that I think now the the coast is clear. Right now, it's safe to get into the market. There's never, you know, a green light that says now it's time to go. Right because as soon as you feel that it is the appropriate time to get in, guess what? Something's going to happen, and the market will blow up. And then, as soon as you feel that wow, this is too high, this you know, oh, the markets are too high. Guess what? They're going to continue to increase on you. So, no matter what decision that you, it's Murphy's law. Right. So, if we could just get bypass that, because that's really what the question is.
2: Yeah, that is the question, and 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 part of that, Joe, is sometimes you get out of the market. This happened to a number of people that I talked to in 2008. They got out of the market, and the market crashed, and they patted themselves on the back like they're as smart as can be. Right. And but then, they never got back in, or they never. got back in in 2014. Exactly. Yeah, they they basically missed probably the biggest bull run in our lifetime. And And the thing is, if you had a globally diversified portfolio and you were rebalancing, meaning that when the market went down, you actually took some of your bond money, which was stable, and you reinvested that in stocks while they were lower, your recovery time wasn't that that much. It might have been a year and a half. It might have been two years. And that was the worst recession we've had since the Great Depression. So
0: let, let's talk about a few different things. All right. So we got high valuations is what a lot of experts are saying. Sure.
2: Which I, I agree with.
0: So. You're saying, okay, markets are at all-time highs. Well, sure. If you look at the Dow, you look at the S and P. Okay, well, yeah, they're at a level that they've never
2: been before. You look at the Cape ratio and price to earnings. and All these things. So,
0: okay, let's look at the Cape ratio, the Cape KP ten. So that's the cyclical average price earnings ratio over ten years. That's Shiller's. Yes. And
2: that, I don't know where that's at, around 17, 18? I don't know. I I just know it's higher than uh, is normal or typical. So so you think
0: about that. If you're using that as a matrix and saying, okay, this is a lot higher, the price-earnings ratio over the last 10 years on average is a lot higher than it has before. So is that an indicator for me to get out? Right, because I think that's tactical
2: investing. Sure, it is. You look at that, and you say, okay, well, that's a good time, to, you know, for me to get out of the overall markets. But you, you think about Robert Schiller. two years ago; he was saying it's too high and get out, and we've had a great run since then. Sure, and so, but you have. Let's think of this logically.
0: All right, is that if you look, okay, the markets or these these P.E. ratios, if you go back to 1928 or whatever, then they start taking real good stats. Ooh, that was tough (laughs) to pull out. (laughs) Right, data. Would you agree with this? Okay, so this is coming from Larry Swedro, our good friend. Yeah. Is that, all right, if you look today versus maybe 50 years ago or 30 years ago or even 100 years ago, is it safer to invest today than it was back then? In in regards to legislation, like you have the SEC, right? You have more people investing in the overall markets. It's not the
2: wild, wild west. Yeah, that's true. And you've got more safeguards and security. Exactly. And- and and of course, it's never foolproof, and we know that the market can get overblown, and it does correct, and we expect it to correct. And as a matter of fact, Joe, that's really that's part of this whole thing about investing. The the tradeoff for getting a higher rate of return is you know it's going to go up and down. More than you would like to, but that's what you put up with. And and as far as how much you have in the market, and I'm talking stocks at this point versus bonds, which is more safe. How the percentage of stocks versus bonds? Well, that that depends upon your own goals and and your ability to handle the the risk. Because right. if you're the kind of person that if you're going to lose twenty percent, you just you want to completely get out. Then maybe you have too much allocated to stock. Because, well,
0: uh, but that's allocation. Let's just talk fundamentals of just the overall markets. Okay. Right. Because people say it's overvalued. Right. And what are they looking at as a matrix of overvalued? And you talked about the Schiller KP10. Yes. Okay. And so then I, what I'm l- looking at doing or what I've studied is to say, okay, well, what's different today than where it was in the past? Okay. Things are completely different today than where they were in the past. One is that, okay, I, I think that it's a safer environment to invest. If I invested 50 years ago, right, you didn't have billions of dollars trading hands every single day. Right. All right. So with that, it's like, okay, well, more people are actually investing. The birth of the 401k plan, there's a lot more individual investors playing in the overall market or investing in the individual markets. If you look at the $24 trillion in retirement accounts, IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, TSP, before it was just institutional pension money. Right, So you have a lot more players in the game. You have a lot more dollars trading hands. Because of that, that's creating a lot more demand. And what has happened to pricing when it comes to to, to bid-ask spreads or to just the cost of transaction has gone down significantly. So if my cost to buy a stock or uh, mutual fund managers to buy a stock or for me to actually buy a mutual fund, you could go to Schwab and buy an index fund for almost nothing. So that cost is very, very low. So what happens to your overall expected rate of return?
2: Well, you mean with a lower cost? It it goes up, right? Because there's
0: less cost.
2: There's less drag.
0: There's less drag. So that's going to increase, Mm -hmm. right? Sure. So if you look at, okay, well, now you have a little bit more regulation. It's a little bit more safer. There's a lot more players involved, right? The cost of doing business is a little bit lower. So that's going to increase expected return. In today's environment itself, interest rates are very, very low. Companies are profitable. There's a lot of cash in companies, right? And what are they doing with that cash? They're buying their stock back. If I'm buying my stock back, that's creating what to the stock price?
2: Yeah, it goes up.
0: It's increasing the stock price yeah. as
2: well. And the reason that happens is because the value of the company is the same, but now you have less shares. So the price per share goes up. Right. And there's there's two sides of that coin, right? Because some people say
0: they don't like stock buybacks because all it's doing is increasing the CEOs and the executives you know, bonuses because they might get paid on earnings per share. Right. Right. Well, if if the company's buying their stock back, right. So if I have a lot more shares outstanding, that's diluting. But if I buy it back, right. So then your earnings per share is is going to go up, even if I didn't do anything, you you know, to increase my bottom line. That's true. All right. And so with, so there's different things going on in the overall environment that is causing stocks to to increase. Right, just because of the 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 nature, and I could be way off base. Some economists is probably saying Anderson, you're an idiot, but I think what I you, you look at this and it, it seems reasonable to me. And true, yeah, and, you know, are are some companies overvalued? Yeah, but how do you profit from it? That's the question. If you know that the company's overvalued, do you think someone else might know that it might be overvalued as well? The answer is probably yes. And so it's already priced in that particular stock.
2: Yeah. So you're, you're as you're saying, the market is bigger. More and more people are buying and selling. Plus, with the internet, there's a lot more information out there. And so the market becomes a lot more accurate gauge of today's true value. Now, something could happen tomorrow that can change everyone's perception. Right. And that's, that's, what's, that's the unpredictable nature of the market. But today's pricing is fair based upon everything that's known today.
1: You've probably been with the same stockbroker or financial advisor for years. But friendships aside, when's the last time you formally reviewed your portfolio? Are they actively managing it? Are you considering or having conversations about Social Security, taxes, health care, and Medicare? If not, you're missing some critical pieces of the retirement puzzle. And these things could make a profound difference in how far your money could go in retirement. We'll prove it to you with our financial assessment. We don't just talk about stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, we get into actionable strategies on how you can pay fewer taxes how to wring every nickel out of your Social Security benefits, how and when to withdraw money from your retirement accounts, plus inflation, health care, Medicare, and tons more. We talk about how to make every dollar break a sweat and go further in retirement. Your initial analysis won't cost you a dime, so you've got nothing to lose. Call 888-994-6257. What you learn in our assessment process could change everything. Get yours right now. Call 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257.
2: So, so Joe, if we go back to the my, my question that I got from a listener, uh, and a very genuine question, mid to late 60s, have a lump sum, ready, close to retirement. How do I create uh, a cash flow? Do I Because because fixed income isn't paying very much. Bonds, are, the interest rates are low, right? Mm-hmm. CD rates are low. Mm-hmm. So do I go to high divi- dividend-paying stocks, or is there another way? Or how should I go about this?
0: Well, I think a lot of times people will look at yield to create income. And dividend-paying stocks sounds like a good alternative. You know, it, it sounds like a really good It strategy. does, right. And let's just explain what a dividend yes. is. Okay, good. Right? You have a company. That is um, profitable.
2: Yeah. That's the goal. The goal is yeah.
0: to create some profits. And if you own a share of stock, you are an owner of that particular company, right? A fractional owner of XYZ company. Right. And some companies, they take their profits and they reinvest those profits back into the company for growth.
2: Right. Like, right? like Apple does that.
0: Sure. And you have other companies that will distribute some of the profits to the shareholders, to the other owners of that company in a form of a dividend. It's just called a dividend. So they're just distributing the profits from the bottom line after all salaries are paid, all expenses are paid, all debts are paid, and everything else. And what's left is that, okay, well, we have X amount of excess cash. Let's keep a little bit in the reserves. And then we're going to issue a dividend of um, XYZ cash flow. And then you get a
2: dividend. So the profits go out to the owners. And and you happen to be an owner because you own stock in the company. Right. And it's great. And it's just like, all right. And then there's strategies that people hear.
0: It's like, well, there's some companies that pay very high dividends. Sure. Some companies pay zero dividends. Some companies, I've never heard of a, let's go into a low dividend pay (laughs) strategy. (laughs) Uh, But a lot of this is marketing too and sales tactics. But all they're doing is when they're distributing cash, Right what happens to the stock price it goes down by the amount of the dividend which people do not
2: understand they don't so let's explain that because because the value of the company is based upon future profits current profits current assets and current assets include cash right and so when you have a big pile of cash and you give it to the owners. Now the company has less in assets, so now it's worth less. And the stock actually does go down the next day. Now, some of you are going to be saying, but no, because I got a dividend once and the stock went up. Well, that's because the stock itself would have gone up anyway, just because of market factors. But if the stock was going to be flat, as soon as as they they pay a dividend, the stock price goes down to reflect that difference.
0: You you put the, the company in a bubble.
2: Yes. Right? So it we'll, won't we'll go up or down. It
0: won't go up or down. It's in a bubble. It's a $10 share stock. They give a dollar dividend. That stock price will go down to $9 a share.
2: Right. That's right? the mathematics of it. The, yes. Yes. And, and that so, it, so it has so, to happen. Right. It, and it does happen.
0: <laughs> but what people get confused on is, like you said, Al, it was like, well, no, that doesn't happen to my stock. It always goes up. Because I got a dividend and you know my stock price went up. It's great. I get growth in dividends. Well, if they didn't, let's say you're $10 a share, it gives you a dollar dividend, and then all of a sudden the stock price went up to $11 a share. Right. If they didn't give you the dividend, it would have went to $12 a share.
2: Yes, that's correct. Right? And it would have
0: went up even more.
2: That's what's hard for people to realize.
0: Because yeah. was, stocks are volatile. Right? Yes. And yes. then it, it But people equate the stock dividend to a coupon payment with a bond. They right? do. I agree. Yes. It's like, all right, well, here, I want s- some high coupons in my bonds and high dividend paying stocks. I'm just going to live out the dividends and the interest. Never touch the principal. I mean, that's what people invested 40 years ago, right? And I think now the baby boomers, right? Where do you think most pe- baby boomers learned about investing or yeah. about a lot of personal finance? From their
2: parents. From their parents sure. or their
0: loved ones or someone that they trusted. Sure. Right. It, uh, initially- You bet. You know. And I'm but, sure but uh, I'm sure your father was you know big into dividend paying style. Well, he, look at the dividend. I he, mean, my he, grandfather yeah. worked for GE.
2: He still is. He's <laughs> got utility stocks. Sure. Yeah, and then a lot of safety. And that was a, a great way to do it. But the baby boomers are confused because now the, the fixed income is so low and it's hard to find good dividends. Right. Because stocks.
0: back then you had maybe um, an average yield or coupon or, or an interest payment from a bond that would pay you five or 6%. Sure. And then you got some dividends that will pay you three to 6%. Yeah. And then, hey, this is really nice. I got a nice cash flow. I don't have to touch my principal. And the principal I can pass off to the kids and just live off the income right and then it's called income and then people need income yes. right so they're getting things completely
2: confused right so what's 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 the right way to do it then well
0: let me i still got to well
2: you only got 3 minutes
0: i, I will get there <laughs> You look at bonds. That's and, been a long explanation. Well, I think it's... Uh, <laughs> I could have just said, "All right, well, here you want to have a globally diversified portfolio. You want to look at a total return approach, and then you want to just take four percent out of that total return. And you're hopefully over the time you get six percent, and then rebound to the then, to then we manage. got, okay. but it's it, it's it's more to it than that. Yes. I think that okay. just sounds generic, yes. and that just sounds like any Tom, Dick, and you know Harry says, "Oh yeah, you need a, a total return, and you get a globally di-. right, but." You got to get a little bit more meat, Al. Okay. You got to you got to put a precedence down that this is why you I, want to do I'm this just, strategy. I'm just let me get back. Bond coupon. It, a bond is a note. It's a loan. So I'm going to lend Alan a hundred thousand dollars. I'm going to charge him five percent every year. He has to pay me five thousand dollars for the use of that hundred grand. At the end of the loan, I get my hundred thousand dollars back. That's a note. That's a bond. So that's a, so bond is like a loan. It's it is a loan. Right. A stock dividend is not a loan. You own the damn company, and they're distributing profits back to you, or they're distributing assets to you. So that stock price will go down by the amount of the dividend. It's not a note. I mean, when I get my coupon payment from you, Alan, it's yes. not now. All right, my my bond is only worth ninety five thousand because you paid me five. No, that's exactly what would happen with the stock. But that's I'm not lending my money and, to the company. Course, I'm trying to get more profits because
2: uh, I'm an owner. Yeah, and of course the difference is if if I've got my company and and I've got a I've, I've, you gave me a hundred thousand dollars. I got to pay you five thousand dollars a year. I have to pay that to you whether I'm profitable or not. Right, that's what a bond is. It's
0: a contract.
2: Yes, I'm now,
0: first in line when you start going. Now on, on the other shady. hand,
2: if you came to me with your hundred thousand dollars and got stock in my company and I didn't make a profit, you don't get a penny. Right. Yeah. Zero. And you may not even get a penny when I make a bunch of money because I need to reinvest it. Exactly. In the You're growing. Right. But then when, but my stock price is going to
0: go up based on the valuation of your company. Right.
2: That's the trade
0: off. Right. And then let's say you kill it and you have billions of dollars of profit, but you never gave me a dividend. My stock price is now through the roof. If I have the bond, I'm still stuck with the 5%. That's right. If you buy the bond and the company does very, very well, they're not gonna say, Ah,
2: eh, no, we really we feel we're, good. We're Thanks for them.
0: that loan. I'll <laughs> pay you ten. No, they're not that they're, no, that's not capitalism. All right. So, to create income in retirement, you have to understand all of the different ways that you can create retirement, and then write retirement income. And then you have to check it out the list: is this good or is this bad? What are the pros? What are the cons? What is the? If you truly understand every single strategy, then you can make the appropriate decision given your situation, right? How we feel about it is that I don't want to take risk in just dividend paying stocks because. You're leaving 60% of the stock universe off the table, right? So then you're concentrated. You're not diversified, right? So I want to be globally diversified in many different areas around the globe, right? Small companies, large companies, value companies, growth companies. And my bonds, I'm not shooting for big coupons. I want that to be my safety valve, right? So I want to construct a portfolio that's going to give me a certain target rate of return based on what my cash flow needs are. So what is your income need, Mr., whatever his name is, right? I need 20 grand from the portfolio. Well, how much money do you got? Do you got 2 million? 2 million. You need 20%, that's pretty easy to do. But if you got 200,000 and you need 50 grand, it's not going to work. It's going to be tough. Right. right. So it's a lot more to it. But I think the problem with some of these shows, and I listen to a lot of them, and and we're a really bad show. (laughs) Really bad show. But there's other shows that I think are even worse than ours. It's It's a low bar in finance. Right. Because it's like, well, you'd, you know, buy some index funds. Good. Come work with me. Right? I'll yeah, get you a nice allocation. I got the
2: secret sauce.
0: Right. Charge you it's, you know, point and a half. Call good. All right. Here's my answer. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Taxes don't stop when your paycheck does. In fact, tapping your retirement nest egg comes with all sorts of new rules and opportunities. Instead of contributing to tax-deferred plans that reduce your taxes, you'll start tapping those savings for income and paying taxes at your regular rate, unless you're tapping into a Roth IRA. So as you near retirement, tax planning becomes more important than ever. But you gotta use a forward-thinking tax strategy because you've got more control over paying taxes in retirement more than you think, actually more so than any other time in your life. Find out how you can legally pay fewer taxes than ever before with our new personalized tax reduction analysis. In this analysis, you'll discover techniques specifically designed just for you on forward looking tax strategies to keep more of your hard earned money in your pocket. There's no cost and no obligation, so you've really got nothing to lose. Get your complimentary tax reduction analysis at 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. Hey, what do you got there?
2: I have, uh, I guess, some good news. Americans' nest eggs have become bigger, oh. uh, according to Fidelity. Uh, the average 401k balance is almost 100,000. Actually, 99,900. The average? The average. Uh, remember, it was, it's been growing over the last few years. It used to be in the 50 and 60,000 range. Now we're up to 100. So but, what is, um, what
0: age group? All ages. Uh, Or all all, plans that Fidelity
2: manages? Yeah, all ages, uh, all 401ks that Fidelity manages. So they take the total of all the 401ks divided by the number of 401ks to get an average. Participants. Yeah, yeah, participants. It includes younger people, uh, obviously, uh, but uh, that are just starting out. Uh, But uh, a lot of young people, they actually, they don't really take advantage of the 401Ks, which we talk about on this phone, on this show, on this phone. (laughs) You're listening to this podcast on your phone. So, Anyway, if you're a millennial and your company has a 401K, contribute to it, you probably get a match. In other words, you put a dollar in, your company matches a dollar, at least contribute up to the match. So you're taking full advantage of that. But Joe, when you think about $100,000, if you were to retire today with a $100,000 401k, what would that mean for you in terms of income that you could expect over your retirement? Not a lot. Well, it depends on the age, but sure. on average, what, 4000 bucks a year? Yeah. So the, the, it's the 4% rule, right? Which came about decades ago. So if you retire at 65, you take out 4% of your portfolio, that's $4,000. There's some people think 3% is a better number, but if you retire older, maybe it's 5%, whatever. But that gives you kind of a rule of thumb. So you got $100,000, that's going to give you $4,000 of spendable money for the rest from of your From your time. liquid assets. Yeah, yeah, from your liquid assets, right? So that's about, what, $300 a month, a little more than $300 a month? Not, not too much. It's frightening. Yeah, if that's the average balance, right? But better than that is the average uh, IRA balance. That's a hundred three thousand five hundred. Huh? Yeah, that's so, interesting. Yeah, so those are higher still. And I, I, I'm not exactly sure why. It may be because some people are are, are retiring. And roll, rolling, yes, it rolling their 401k to their IRA, which is something that you can do. Many people do because they have too many retirement accounts, so they consolidate everything into an IRA, so it's simpler to keep track of. And maybe they have more investment choices in their IRA. But Joe, there's also some reasons why you might actually want to keep it in the 401k if you're retiring.
0: Well, yeah, it, uh, there's few. I mean, it depends on what your overall goals are and what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. But I think you have to, you know, I guess the big buzzword now is always, you know, the fees. right? The
2: fees. But, I mean, there's a few things. Like, if you're still working and you're 70 and a half, right. you, you might want to keep your 401k because you don't have to take a required minimum distribution out if, of that.
0: If I separate from service at 55, mm-hmm. uh, I have free withdrawals without penalty. That's right. From my 401k plan. Yep. and but, but people get confused with this rule, so let's kind of take a step back. If you are retiring and separating from service at 55 years of age or older from a company that you have an active 401k, um, that you're an active participant in their 401k, do not roll that money into an IRA because then you would have to wait until 59 and a half. If you are 55, you have access to those dollars. You still have to pay taxes on it, but you are exempt from the 10% tax penalty. But if you have um, an old 401k plan And then you retire at 55, and you want access to that plan? No, you have to separate from service from your active plan at 55 to have access to those dollars. Right. So just um, so I'm working for XYZ company, I separate from service at 55. That company, I have access
2: to that 401k plan penalty free. So I had three other 401ks that I decided to keep intact for the company, but I left obviously before 55. Right. I can't take money out of those without penalty. Just just the one that was an active plan when I retired, it, it, as long as I was at least 55 Correct. when I retired. Yes, 55. That is a confusing role. Right, yeah. <laughs> so I suppose you could, like let's say you um, are 55 and you're planning on retiring. Couldn't you roll your own 401ks into that active plan and so then, when you did retire, you could pull money out penalty free. I would
0: assume that would be the case. Yeah, yeah.
2: I would think so too. And and I'll, not all plans allow you to do that. But right. if your plan does, you might want to consider it. On the other hand, uh, kind of the same logic. If you're 70 and a half and you don't want and you're working and you don't want to take your required minimum distribution, you might roll your 401 uh, old 401ks even your IRAs into the current. 401k because you don't have to take a required distribution out of that plan as long as you're uh, less than a 5% owner. So, this doesn't work if you just decide to set up your own consulting company and you own it 100%. Right. So, you have to be actually working for a company and owning less than 5% of the right. company. Right.
0: Yeah. That was, all right, well, here, well, 401ks are exempt from RMDs if I'm still employed. So people said, all right, well, I'm going to start my own business.
2: Yeah, set up a solo, so, solo 401k. 401k yeah, plan. And, and then I can, then, no, that doesn't work. Right. So
0: so there, there's pros and cons to, to every financial move. So that's why it's... It's, it's challenging in a sense on this radio program because we got to
2: just so spit sp- sp- yeah.
0: sp- everything out yeah know? right. Everyone has a very specific need, goal, want, asset level, income, want. Um, so it, it's devising your own specific strategy depending on what you're trying to accomplish. Are you married? Are you single? you know are you going to inherit some money? Do you want to leave a legacy? There's so many different variables that you want to make sure that you consider before you just make any move.
1: Make sure your retirement nest egg is in good shape. The problem with your current advisor or stockbroker is you're probably only getting one small sliver of the entire retirement story. That's a problem because chances are you're missing the most significant pieces of the retirement puzzle. In order to retire successfully and comfortably, you need the whole story and everything needs to work together. You can see that with our personalized assessment. There's no cost or obligation. You've got absolutely nothing to lose. In this customized face-to-face meeting, you'll discover concrete steps to mitigate your risk, Simple strategies to convert your savings into income in retirement. How to avoid the retirement tax trap that could needlessly cost you tens of thousands of dollars in taxes penalties, and fees, and how to protect everything you work for from the surprising cost of health care, Medicare, long-term care, plus how to avoid the simple retirement planning mistakes that could cost you thousands. This analysis is ideally suited for people who are recently retired or retiring in the next five to 10 years. If you learn one thing in this meeting, it could change everything. Get yours by calling 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. Don't leave anything to chance. Call right now. 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257.
2: Are you concerned that you're going to be replaced by a robot, Jim? No. You're not? Because McKenzie and Company, uh, from they did a study, and they believe that by 2030, as many as 800 million workers worldwide will be replaced by robots. How many? 800 million. Worldwide? Worldwide. Okay. The, our country has 300 million, and we're not all working, but just that's a lot of people. That is. I mean, there's, what, seven, six or seven billion people in the world, something like that, I think. So what is that, 20 years from now? That's now, that's 13 years. What, that's what did you say? What year? Uh, 2030.
0: Oh, 2030. You're
2: going to be in your mid-50s. You might be replaced by a robot. I'm, I'm going to be doing the show <laughs> with a robot. <laughs> Joe Bot. <laughs> Joe Bot. <laughs> Wow, Al. What do you think of the <laughs> stock market?
0: I'm sure they're not going to sound like that, Alan.
2: You know? I think they'll sound be just like just humans. Like, just like, yeah. We, But anyway, so it says, <laughs> here's what they think. They said that for some industries, an increase of, uh, in automation won't mean a decline in employment, but rather a shift in tasks that need to be done. For example... Oil Uh, up the (laughs) robots. You you need to be a robot technician. You'll be in great shape. So here's what they say. They say that any job that involves managing people, applying expertise, and social interaction will still be necessary. Human performance in those areas cannot be matched by a machine. So you manage people. Yeah. That's the favorite part of my job. (laughs) As long as you keep doing that, you'll be okay. However... Jobs involving mortgage origination, paralegal work, accounting, back office transaction processing, can easily be wiped out by automation. And that, I don't. I mean, uh,
0: some of this stuff, yeah. I mean, if you look at look, look at TurboTax, yeah. How long How long has TurboTax been
2: around? Oh my gosh, uh, 25 twenty years. years. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah.
0: Okay, so that was going to be the end of the accountant.
2: Yeah. Uh, I don't. And know, still we still got plenty to do. There's
0: t- t- too much. <laughs> it's It's complicated.
2: So according to Bill mm-hmm. Gates, he says anyone with skills in science, math, engineering, and economics will always be in demand. He didn't say financial planners, but e- economic, we need to switch to economics. There you go. Then we can be really smart on the radio.
0: But uh, why wouldn't math be in that?
2: Well, it, it's kind of implied, I, I guess, with science engineering. and engineering. Yeah. Physics, I'm sure that's all good stuff, <laughs> right? But if you're working at a factory... I suppose you might uh, you you, ju- you probably already got replaced.
0: Well, didn't um one of the self-driving cars coming out? Didn't Vegas what? try the self-driving bus and then like 5 minutes in service it hit another I,
2: bus? Yeah, so I went, I don't know if it was Vegas or not, but yeah, somewhere it did and and Here's the problem as I understand it from self driving cars it's not the self driving cars, it's, it's the cars around it's, them, it's the self driving cars don't know how to anticipate what he, the humans cra- crazy do. things humans do. Got it. If it we're all self driving cars, or so they say, it would be 100% safe.
0: You know, I was driving into the studio today and I was at a stoplight and I'm and my windows are rolled up. And I'm hearing, like, just blaring, like, ACDC or something. Just (laughs) hardcore heavy metal. That was me. And the only thing (laughs) around me was a school bus. School
2: bus? Yeah. So it was coming out of the school bus? Yeah,
0: and I looked, and the bus driver's just, like, jamming to some heart. But uh, then I looked, I was like, is there any
2: kids on the bus? I guess not. (laughs) That's before you picked him up. Yeah, right. That's, that's Or get,
0: maybe you dropped them off. You just had to unwind a little bit. That's to get bit. into
2: the mood of picking up the kids for the day. Just right? get fired up. Right, right. Yeah, you know, probably what Saturday uh little field trip or something. Is that's all you have on the robots? Uh yeah, that's all I have. I'm just cautioning you because by twenty thirty, I'll be um I'll be in my 70s. I don't have to worry about this problem. You're done. You you got a big problem here with robots. Maybe <laughs> oh, replacing All right, so
0: it. let's say that I, I have three nephews. Yeah. Six and eight and okay. four. I wonder, um, so they got to... Well, I, I suppose you could be in the arts.
2: Yeah. True. Well, I don't know. Well, maybe a robot could draw a painting better well, than they, me A can. robot
0: can't dance. <laughs> Who wants to watch a robot dance? <laughs> Maybe they'd be or really sing.
2: good. <laughs> be perfect, yeah, I, I guarantee a perfect, robot would be a really good dancer. Perfect pitch. <laughs> <laughs> all the plays and things that we go to, even sports. It's Actually, I, I did, it's not in this article, but I have heard about people saying we're going to have to expand the Olympics. There's going to be human, there's going to be robot Olympics, and the, then there's going to be like a cyber combo to where people have, you know, a remote control. Whatever. They have augmented augmentations in their body, so we're going to have three Olympics, Joe, and the robots. That'd be, I don't know. It's too much. It's It's, too much. It's it's a little much, and I've got two kids, and uh, one is a teacher. I don't know. I don't think robots can replace teachers, but could be wrong. Yeah,
0: they can. I would
2: imagine right online. I suppose. They just turn, the robot turns on the TV, and all these lessons are online, maybe.
0: Right? I mean, there's a lot more... Online yeah. u- universities that yeah. don't have a ton of
2: yeah they the teacher teaches the class once and then they replay it, it, it for right. decades <laughs> potentially I guess and my other son uh, is studying to be a, a a counselor and I I'm not sure robot would that's that falls under a human interaction yeah I think he's I think he's okay good yeah but you. I'm not worried about it. I
0: don't. I, I'm gonna radio. manage.
2: I'm gonna manage the, think, the, the. Can robots do the radio show? I'm sure they could. Yeah. Without Probably question. Be way better than this, than this garbage. Maybe ten times. <laughs> as, they would be more succinct. Yes. They wouldn't be talking <laughs> they about. They would robots. be talking about robots. They would be talking about. Can you believe what happened? Well, I saw a human today. What <laughs> the human? <laughs> They'd make jokes about the humans.
1: Oh. You probably believe you don't have any control over things like paying taxes, right? Especially with the robots taking over. But the fact is you've got more control over how much you pay in taxes in retirement than at any other time in your life. But your stockbroker, your financial advisor, even your tax preparer may not understand how to lower taxes in retirement because it's not their area of expertise. The only way to lower your taxes in retirement is by having a forward-looking tax-efficient strategy. Find out how you can legally pay fewer taxes than ever before with our new personalized tax reduction analysis. In this analysis, you'll discover techniques specifically designed just for you on forward-looking tax strategies keeping more of your hard-earned money in your pocket. There's no cost and no obligation, so you really, you've got nothing to lose. Get your complimentary personalized tax reduction analysis by calling 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. That number is also good if you've got a burning money question. Call 888-994-6257 for your chance to talk to Joe and Big Al and have your question answered live during Your Money, Your Wealth. Of course, if you're a little phone shy, they're always willing to answer your email questions too. Just send them to info at purefinancial.com
0: Alright, yeah. so this, is, this individual wrote in from Boston, Massachusetts Wow, that's great So he said that by the end of this month, he right. will be 70 and a half Okay. Most of my money is in the bank, in the CD and very little in stock with Fidelity. Question number one, should I withdraw RMD from a CD from the bank? Number two, my money is In very aggressive funds, in doing a little bit better now, should I take the RMD from there? Or three, I'm working and have a 401, and should I transfer to Roth? So he's kind of all over the board here, so maybe we should just break this down simply. Okay. First off... He's asking, 70 and a half, um, your required beginning date begins April 1st, the following year you turn 70 and a half. And what that means to all of you is that you have to start taking distributions from your retirement accounts. So any retirement account that you have that, is, that you're not an active participant in, such as if I'm still working, such as this individual, has a 401k, so that individual doesn't have to take a distribution from the 401k if they're still an active participant in the 401k, as long as they're not a 5% owner of that particular company.
2: Right. Yeah, that is and that is a good point right off the bat. As 401k, you're working. If you're not a five percent owner, you don't have to do an RMD. And some 401ks allow you to roll your IRAs actually into them, and you can actually avoid the the, the RMD potentially, by doing the rollover into the 401k.
0: Right. So, we're still working 70 and a half. i got a 401k plan. I have a couple of different IRAs. because Just because I'm working, I have an active participant in that 401k. If I have other ancillary IRAs, I still have to take the required distribution from the IRAs, just not the 401k.
2: Yeah, and that's true even if you have other old, old 401ks. 401ks. So, old 401ks, IRAs, yes, you have to take the uh, required minimum distribution at 70 and a half. And, but your existing 401k, you don't have to. And so that's, that is a great strategy for folks that don't necessarily need that extra income because they're working, is if their plan allows it, roll those old 401ks and their IRAs into the current 401k.
0: So the question then begins with, all right, so he now has to start taking distribution. So he has to start pulling money from the accounts. The reason for that is that the IRS wants their tax money, right? Because you got a pre-tax contribution going in. It's grown tax deferred. And then now once you reach a certain age, the IRS says, all right, start taking some distributions from the account so we can tax you. Right. So the question is. Well, he's got CDs. He's got an IRA with some CDs in it, so a safe investment. Then he's got another IRA with aggressive stocks. He's like, man, the stocks are doing really well because the market has performed. The CDs are giving me whatever, half a percent. Which account should I take the required minimum distribution from?
2: Yeah, that's and that's a great question. And so I'll presume he's got more than one IRA. Correct. Uh, and when it comes to IRAs, Joe, uh, it, the, the, the tax answer is it doesn't matter. In other words, you can... Calculate all your IRAs as if they were one IRA and take your required minimum distribution out of whatever IRA you want to pick. By the way, that's not true of 401ks. If you have multiple old 401ks when you retire, you have to do an RMD from each 401k. It gets confusing.
0: Right. You could do a, a full aggregation of your IRAs and right. take it from one IRA if you have multiple accounts. But if you have other 401k plans or other 403bs or any other type of retirement account, you're going to have to take a separate distribution from that. and if you don't, then you're subject to a 50 percent tax penalty on the dollars that you never took out of the retirement account because you thought you satisfied the RMD with the distribution that you pulled
2: out maybe from the IRA. Yeah, and, and, and even though you took out enough on, right. on a complete aggregate basis, they don't look at it that way. So some people they, they take their old, they get their old 401ks and they roll them into IRAs. so they just have to worry about one calculation makes it simpler. Yes.
0: So what say you? Should he take it from the CD, or should he take it from the aggressive
2: IRA? Well, to me, now this gets into a little bit more investment question, and I'm not sure we have enough information to answer that. So I I think what I would want to know is when he's going to retire, how much income that he needs, uh, 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 how much fixed income he, he already has from Social Security or pensions, right? Get a sense of what he thinks his longevity is, whether he's married or not, whether he wants to increase his spending in retirement or not, or whether he wants to downsize his home. All of these factor into to figuring out a correct investment allocation. And the fact that he it sounds like he has the most of his money in a CD. I'll, I'll make an assumption here, maybe that he's he feels like he's got enough money where he doesn't he doesn't he feels like he doesn't need to be that aggressive. So I'll make that assumption. So would you say it doesn't matter? I would say, I would like to take a look what his investment allocation should be. Okay, well, let's just assume he's got the right allocation. Okay. Because I think the question
0: is, in real simple terms, is that I have an aggressive investment, should I take it from there, or a very safe investment, should I take it from there? And I, I think he might, let's just assume he understands that it doesn't, he knows that he has to take a certain amount out, Right. but he's like, I got these two accounts, or both
2: yeah. IRAs, which one should I take it from? Well, again, I I don't know what the allocation is, but let's just say the cash is 90% and the aggressive stock is 10%. I would probably take it out of the cash because you, you at age 70 and a half, you probably will need some growth in your account, and I would actually probably favor a little bit more stock than- How about if it's 50-50? 50-50. And if, if 50-50 is the right allocation, right. then you would take half out of one and half out of the other.
0: That's what you would do? I think there's a, an optimal way to do this- and I don't know if 50-50 is optimal. It could be, right? We don't have a lot of information there. No. Yeah. But I guess the argument could be, all right, well, I want to continue to have my aggressive growth, continue to grow tax-deferred. I don't necessarily want to touch that. I would take it from the CDs, take that, and pay the tax on it. But here's another th- wrench. In, you could still take the RMD from the stock and not sell the stock. Too. Right? So you'd still have the same allocation. You would just have to pay tax. So yeah. I'd just take the distribution from the stock you put it into a brokerage account. So
2: I'm still holding the stock and then I would just pay tax. You can. So, but, and you'd do the same with the bank CD. Exactly. Yeah. But I, I, have a, I have another answer now that I had a chance to think about it. You, you, probably, you might want to take it from the stock because the aggressive stock has gone up a lot and probably he now has a higher allocation in stock than he's he w- was comfortable with when he first set up these allocations. So that's my new answer. All right. Well, that's the CPA right there. <laughs> you didn't like my first answer, but I still liked it, which is figure out what the most appropriate uh, investment allocation is, and that will help you to decide which, which to take it from.
0: Okay. So there's different rules of thought there.
2: Mm-hmm. Me personally,
0: if I'm looking at a deferment of taxes, yeah. all right, so you have a very safe investment that's not necessarily growing versus in another investment that is growing. Right? Wouldn't you want to have that investment continue to grow in a tax-deferred manner, where you don't necessarily interrupt that growth? And if he doesn't necessarily need the money, right? But we don't know that answer.
2: Sure. Or if or, he
0: needs the income, then it's going to be something completely different. Then you have to create a retirement income strategy to figure out right. where you're pulling the money and why, and what the tax, in, you know, consequences are going to be,
2: and so on and so forth. On the other hand, you may want to distribute the stock out of fidelity to your brokerage account, keep it in kind, and now you got all future growth capital gain. capital gains. So that we don't have enough information. We're, so that that's why we're kind of giving all kinds of answers, because right. it, it, a lot of it depends on circumstances we don't know.
0: And, and I think that's the problem with individuals listening to programs like ours.
2: Yeah, they assume <laughs> they that one, listen. one approach for everybody. One approach
0: is, is the right approach for their overall situation, which is... Definitely not true. Exactly. It's not a cookie-cutter answer with anything. I think most of it is the caveat. It depends. You know, his final question was, you know, I'm working, have a 401, and should I transfer to Roth? Uh, who knows, right? I mean, what's your tax bracket? How much money do you have in qualified plans? What is actually your required minimum distribution, right? Are you in good health? Are you in bad health? Who's the beneficiary of the accounts? Yep. Are your kids the beneficiaries of the accounts? Are they in a lower tax bracket than you? Are they in a higher tax bracket? All right. That's it for us. For Big Al Clopin, I'm Joe Anderson. I have a wonderful weekend, everyone. We'll see you again here uh, next week. The show's called Your Money, or
1: Well. So to recap today's show, the answers to many of your questions, from how to devise a retirement income strategy, to where your required minimum distributions come from, to whether you should transfer from a 401k to a Roth, is often, it depends. There are a lot of factors to take into account. But chances are, robots ain't one of them. At least, let's hope not. Call 888-994-6257 to discuss the specifics of your individual situation with an advisor, a real live one from Pure Financial. Subscribe to the podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com through your favorite podcaster or on iTunes, where you can also check out our ratings and reviews. And remember, if you've got a burning money question for Joe and Big Al to answer live on Your Money, Your Wealth, email info at purefinancial.com or call 888-994-6257. Listen next week for more Your Money, Your Wealth presented by Pure Financial Advisors. For your free financial assessment, visit purefinancial.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision.